Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking to Philip from Quantox Technology. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Actually, our property of the week this week is a reminder that we always have some private listings available in addition to what you see on our website and in our newsletters. Right now, we have a cam site, dating sites, and pay sites available. We often have other types of sites as well. In these cases, the owner of the site is usually expressing the utmost care to make sure that the identity of their site or company doesn't get out for a variety of reasons. These are also generally larger listings with big revenues. If you're interested in finding out more about our private listings, please complete our buyer's NDA on our website and contact us to see if you qualify. Next Monday on the Hanky Panky Podcast, Coral and Jewel will interview porn actress and podcast host Lily Craven. You can find the Hanky Panky Podcast at hankypankypodcast.com and wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Philip Chief Executive Officer of Quantox Technology, the leading development and outsourcing company in the adult and affiliate spaces. Philip, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Hey, Bruce. Always, always happy to join you and great to talk to you. Now, Philip has been on our podcast before, and if you haven't listened to the first go-round when we were like in our second month, I suggest you do. There's some great information in there. Now, here's a bit about Quantox. Quantox has been doing development and outsourcing work in the adult and affiliate spaces for over 15 years. They've grown to over 350 people. Man, that's awesome. Including developers, programmers, customer support agents, virtual assistants, and more. They do all types of web and mobile development, including native apps. Now, at Quantox, your employee, not to mention your project, 
won't suddenly disappear and run away. God knows I've had that happen. Now, uh, that's because they're a company and not an individual, so you know your project will be completed. Their staff speak and write in fluent English, again, unlike many competitors. With a dedicated staff, your project will be done on a cost-efficient basis, and since they're offshore, you're going to save money. They're frequent sponsors of industry trade shows, so you see Philip, Vuk, Dan, and the rest of the team often. So, Philip, how has the pandemic affected your industry? Hey, Bruce. So, yeah, we are now like uh, basically two years into into this pandemic, and uh, basically, you know, after the whole initial shock and big big changes that we have been through, things are kind of getting back to normal because. Uh, it's definitely this new normal, how they call it right now, where many things are changed. And uh, what we are witnessing right now is that many things that uh, seemed like temporary change are actually here to stay. Mm-hmm. Probably one of them is remote work. Yes. Um, our, our team is operating in six different countries and uh, we are working with clients from many, many more regions and countries and conditions are different, you know, somewhere. People are back in the office and trying to, you know, get back to work as usual. But also we are seeing that in, in many, in many regions, people are working remotely and even companies are deciding to switch on this strategy and to, and to work uh, remotely because obviously there are some challenges, but also there are a lot of um, positive sides of, of these things. So uh, we have seen many changes also in the industry itself. These are different business models. Some went up, some went down. Some had to accommodate and change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was definitely a very, very dynamic period behind us. For sure. Now, with the pandemic, we have a new era of remote work, as you alluded to. What's the best way to deal with it? Well, yeah, basically... Um, few years ago, we had to invest, we as a company had to invest a lot of additional effort to explain to our clients how remote work is actually uh, being done. Mm-hmm. Because uh, many of them were used to hiring only in-house people working from the same office, from the same building, being physically present. Sure. But nowadays, uh, this changed, as you said. And uh, basically, I actually did one conference like a few weeks ago. And uh, I was very surprised because, you know, from being like a company where probably eight of 10 people would tell us, thank you, but we are doing in-house. Now it's like everybody's very interested when they see like, you know, nearshoring, offshoring, outsourcing, mm-hmm. remote work. And uh, they, they, even if they don't really need development services, they are kind of keen to just like talk with us and maybe get some information and some hints and tips. And that's actually how I got the idea that perhaps one of the topics uh, on our today's agenda should be just discussing uh, the perks and challenges of, of remote work. So sure, sure. Absol- absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, I, 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 th- I, th- I think overall that I'd say virtually every company now accepts the fact that remote work for development and many other services is just a it's just a fact of life. Exactly, exactly. Like uh, we are um, we are seeing like uh, and, and um, hearing from our clients uh, from adult industry that uh, they are also experiencing challenges where basically right now some uh, huge mainstream companies 
are taking their employees, you know, and hiring them as a remote. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, uh, I just recently talked with one of our clients from Canada, and they are having huge challenges with uh, big uh, mainstream names like Apple, like Shopify, like Microsoft, who are in US, but in same time zone. And they are massively hiring their people and sending them like really huge offers that are hard to uh, compete with. Okay. So as an IT company with hundreds of employees, you become a bit of an expert on remote work. Now, what advice do you have for other companies dealing with this? And what are the challenges? Well, yeah, definitely there are some things that uh, people need to be aware of. Uh, Even before the pandemic, uh, we as a company offered two months of remote work to each and every employee during the year. So this was kind of uh, advantage for us when the pandemic uh, happened because we already have all the procedures, but also all the infrastructure that you need in place so that basically we can be working remotely. But um, when I say working remotely now, this is the first thing that I would like to, to quickly cover and explain because uh, people usually use uh, work from home and remote work as the same thing, but it's actually not. Okay. Uh, because re- remote work is usually when you basically uh, work remotely from your original team, but right. it can be an office. So, you know, right. basically, let's say you take a three weeks trip to um, uh, do some visit or anything, and you will maybe rent an office over there and work from the office. So, uh, working from home and remote work are definitely not the same. So that's one thing that people should keep on their mind. Mm-hmm. And also it's not the same when you have like a team of maybe six, seven, ten people working on a project and one of them is remote or working from home and then basically everybody's So these are some differences that even we have experienced even though we had remote work uh, mm-hmm. as part of our benefits before. So uh, Basically, I would like to just uh, go over a few things that uh, we have uh, experienced with and that we feel that would be nice to share with, uh, with people who are working remotely right now. So uh, basically, one, one of the first things is that you're working from home. You need to make sure that you manage your own time and schedule properly. Uh, there are basically two things that uh, can happen. One is people postponing start of their actual work during the day, you know, and they sure. always do something else and then they start working at 3 p.m., which is good <laughs> for our U.S.-based clients because they will overlap with their working hours, right. but it's maybe not really good for them and, you know, their their uh, daily routine. And then the other trap that people fall in uh, very often is that basically, you know, they just keep working. They start working in the morning and it's always like, you know, I'm at home, my laptop is open, so... I will just try to do one more thing and one more thing. So in general, it's good to try to uh, schedule your exact work hours and stick to them pretty much the same way as you would do if you were working from the office. This is also very useful for your team members because they will have some understanding when they can contact you and that when you are actually, you know, operative working. So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, that's uh, one uh, one thing. The other one is, uh, as I mentioned, try to basically set your daily goals. And to stick with them, and then when you achieve it, you are done for the day. You know? Because mm-hmm. again, when you are working from home, you can just you know continue and say, okay, I will just do this one more thing, and this one more thing, and this one more thing, and you know, very soon, basically, you realize that you are working all day. So <laughs> this is not good for 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 anybody because very soon you will become unproductive. 
That's true. And you, you burn out. You completely exactly. burn out. You know, they say about uh, all work and no play makes Johnny a, a very uh, dull boy. Um, <laughs> so how have you been managing your own schedule and time? Are, are you able to make a schedule working from home and stick to it? Well, uh, to, to, to be honest, I'm kind of exception here because I uh, live in the same apartment where our office is. So oh, I work from the office. <laughs> Even during the pandemic, I worked from the office. But in general, yeah, I also try to follow these rules that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, maybe one more interesting one is uh, basically making sure that you don't have too many distractions. So uh, for me, for example, you know, when I have... Uh, important meetings or parts of the day where I need to be really focused and productive, I would uh, switch from my home to my actual office, you know, and spend a couple of hours there so that I don't have distractions like, you know, TV or other family members coming in, asking me questions and things like that. And then once I'm done, I can maybe, you know, move back to my home and do some more casual or light work from home with um, with my family, you know, just around. So. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not. Well, not everyone has that advantage, though, Philip. You know, I mean, working from home, and I certainly go through it myself. You know, you really never completely seem to be off duty. How do you suggest people deal with that who can't go upstairs to their office? Well, basically, uh, there is option uh, to try to create a home office. So. Uh, obviously, again, not everybody has enough space for it, right. but in general, it's a very good idea. You know, sometimes you can just use your bedroom and turn it into the office. And then combined with my previous tip to have a regular work hours, basically, even uh, your other family members will know that maybe from nine to five, your bedroom is your office and they will not get inside and they will not interrupt you or bother you. And you will also feel a bit more normal. Like, you know, good, like l- good luck with good luck with that, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know it can be, it can be challenging, but, uh, but yeah, another, another thing when we are talking about home office is uh, equipment. So Mm. uh, what we have done in our company is basically we offered to all of our employees to come and take any piece of equipment that they need and bring it home. And Mm. this can even be a desk and a chair. So Mm. not just like your additional mice or monitor. But, you know, in some cases, uh, some of our team members actually, you know, came and took their chair because they need a comfortable space where they will not, you know, be working from their couch or from their bed and then right. have back issues after two days. Now, how about dealing with your team? Has that been a problem when when people have been working at home? Well, um, absolutely. I, I think that's uh, one of the crucial changes that uh, people need to be aware of because, Starting from the from the first minute you start your actual work, you know, when you come into the office, people actually see you and then can wave, they say hi, and you say hi, they know that you're there. Mm-hmm. But basically, when you are working remotely, it's a very good practice to kind of check in. And when you start working, you know, just give a quick ping to your other teammates and tell them, hey, guys, I'm here. I started working. Mm-hmm. So they know that you are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, that's one thing. The other The other is the... Um, actual actual daily communication where you should at least that's what we recommend you should try not to speak only with texting and emails but actually try to do some you know voice calls with video on so that people can you know see you understand you and uh, uh, exchange much more information in much more efficient manner. 
Okay. So what advice do you have for others when they're setting up a home office? What equipment and tools will they need? Well, uh, basically, as I mentioned, like a good chair is always always a plus, but uh, then some other things like, you know, having a proper monitor is a very good thing because uh, most of us have small laptops, which are, you know, easy to carry. But then if you are working for a longer period of time and in order to stay productive, in many cases, you will need more uh, real estate on your monitor, more place for your apps, for your yes. uh, code in our case and things like that. So uh that's that's another thing then uh, obviously a good pair of headsets and headphones because you will be spending a lot of time using these when communicating with your team so it's very crucial that they can hear you well and you can hear them and this works uh, mm-hmm. without without any issues and challenges and as i said basically you can go and buy it but you can also just go and pick it up from your office i'm sure any other company would also have no issues if their employees would come and take some of the equipment home or they'll work remote Sure, sure. Yeah, they want them to be productive, right? Exactly. Okay. So what are the opportunities and advantages of working from home that people should be aware of? Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, a lot about challenges, but there are obviously plus and good things. Otherwise, people would not stick to this. So uh, from, from my experience, when I'm talking with our employees, one of the important topics for them is basically commuting time. So the time that they would spend or waste in traffic. And uh, mm-hmm. again, in all the regions that we are working in, parking space is a big issue also. So, you know, they would lose a lot of time in the traffic and then find the parking space. In this case, you know, you don't lose this time and you can use it for anything else, like spend it with your family or do some hobby or whatever you like. Uh, another thing, like we were talking about distractions at home, but there are also distractions at the office. And I'm sure that everybody has experienced it. You know, when you have sure. people just uh, popping into your office, asking you questions uh, or maybe asking your colleague questions, the one who is sitting next to you, and then basically disrupting your, your focus and then your productivity. So this is something that uh, you will experience less here because communication is a bit more structured and you have planned meetings where you will actually be talking about any any important any important topics. Um, one uh, also very big advantage that we are utilizing and using lately is the fact that you can hire remote people. So hmm. before, even for us, it was like only people that can actually come and spend time physically in our office. Uh, but these days, you know, uh, like right now, I'm, I'm in Kiev, in Ukraine, and uh, we used to hire people who only live in Kiev, but uh, nowadays we would hire people from other cities here and maybe get some uh, really good experts and really good talents that we couldn't reach other way. Hmm. And that's that's got to be a real attraction to uh, potential employees that they can work from home. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, for, for them, it's... Uh, a completely new market of opportunities because it's not anymore, you know, you just need to look what companies are operating in your city or in your town. But you can work like like we are having right now a couple of candidates that you're hiring. They're living in smaller towns uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they are not willing to relocate, but they really appreciate the opportunity to work for a company like ours. Sure, sure. Now, what is the state of affairs overall in the outsourcing space? Obviously, we talked about working remotely and working from home. 
Um, but what's the what's the overall state of it? Well, you know, the it, it obviously is very fluid, changes all the time. Um, what where where are things these days? Well, basically these days there is huge demand for more resources and manpower and talents. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, we are seeing companies like racing in uh, different offers, including different benefits to mm-hmm. get good people on board and mm-hmm. to not just get them, but also get them to stay and stick around for a longer period of time. And this is this is something that, uh, that we are also doing. And this is something that... Uh, is now also becoming kind of additional benefit for our clients mm-hmm. where they don't have to think about it, yeah. where it's basically our duty as a company to make sure that their team is happy, that they have good work conditions, that you know that they are happy with their projects, with their work, with mm-hmm. uh, all the benefits that they have, and that they stay because this is something that's, that's super, super important for most of our clients. So. Um. You guys have grown by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, I've done some work for your company, um, and I've watched you guys grow. And it's the growth has been crazy over the years. I remember when you had less than a hundred people, and then it was one fifty, and then it was two hundred. Last year, when we did this interview, uh, the other interview, it was two fifty, and now you're over three fifty. Um, what do you attribute the growth to? Well, uh, basically, we are doing we are doing two 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 things, and we are trying to grow by two different models. Uh, one is expanding to new regions. Mm-hmm. So, just uh, this year, we expanded to two more countries. So, we are now operating in six countries in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one is also, you know, nurturing our existing offices and you know making sure that they feel valued and mm-hmm. that also they get all the support that they need right. from us in order to grow to grow more. So, it's not just about opening the new offices and you know. Uh, promoting this, but also making sure that your existing teams and offices are feeling good and that they will still, you know, recommend you to their friend or colleague and say, okay, come work here with us at Quantum. This is great. Okay. Now, you're obviously always in recruitment mode. That's that's pretty obvious to me. Why don't you tell the people out there that are listening who might be developers or uh, customer service or other people that would be potential employees. Why? Why should they work at Quantox? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. As you said, we are we are always we are always hiring. We are always looking for good talents. And you know, even even if you don't have exact uh, open spot or position in one of our teams, if uh, we have application from somebody who we feel is uh, good to become. Uh, our team member, we would just hire that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I, I would say it's uh, uh, why would they come and work with us? I would say it's a combination of two things, uh, at least based on the feedback that I'm getting from uh, from our team members. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's company culture, where we try to keep it a stress, uh, stress-free environment and where we try to basically make sure that every team member gets proper support uh, meaning that, you know, if you are a developer and working with us, you will have your project manager, you will have your HR helping you with whatever you need, you will have your system admin helping you with your equipment, you will have your DevOps guy helping you with your dev stuff. So 
you know, like you will really be able to focus and be the best where you need to be best. And that's and that's the actual the actual development. Second thing are our clients and our projects, which are amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, we are working for uh, a lot of industry-leading companies. Yep. And uh, in a, in adult space, especially, this means you know working on projects that are dealing with uh, huge traffic, huge loads, where mm-hmm. you really need to be on top of the game, you know, and be very scalable and be very secured, and you know, make sure that uh, everything is working perfect all the time. But this is kind of adventure and something that's challenging and something where, you know, every developer can grow. Yeah, as as the CEO, I would imagine that your job responsibilities have changed a lot from the time that you had less than 100 employees to having 350 plus. How have you dealt with that? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's always changing. Like, uh, actually, yesterday I had a long meeting with my C-level staff because we are just right now going in, going through uh, one uh, restructuring and uh, basically, you know, adding some new positions and roles that we didn't have before, but mm-hmm. we realized that we are maybe missing them. And um, it's uh, something where basically, you know, you really have to uh, be careful and listen what's happening within your team. And then react based on that. It's not always easy to predict upfront, but you need to react quickly if you see that, you know, at some places you need to pay more attention, that maybe some things you need to do differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to uh, basically uh, hear the feedback from your team. That's what we are trying to do. Yeah. Uh, just uh, this, this January, I had personally one-on-one meetings with each and every one of my employees. So it wow. was exhausting. Yeah, I and guess. So I, I how long? How long did that take? Uh, it was three weeks, four Jeez. weeks actually. Wow, three and a half, I would say. A lot of travel. So I, I, I yeah, I was traveling to each and every country and city mm-hmm. and talking to each and every employee. Wow. And everybody had like thirty minutes with CEO to mm-hmm. ask any questions, to give any feedback, wow. because you know that can be very, very good both for them and me. It was great experience. Yeah. I, I learned many things about us that maybe I didn't know. Sure. And they had a chance, you know, to ask any questions that they would like. So, yeah. And and I, you know, I know you, and I I know you well, and I know that you care, and what you care about the most besides your family is your company, and that and that your company's doing everything that it should, well, along with your clients, obviously. Um, and that I'm sure that comes through to the employees. And that's got to make a big difference when the CEO sits down and says, hey, how are we doing? What could we do better? Well, um, I, I, I believe so. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I decided to, to do it in this January. And that was like because we had this whole uh, pandemic thing, right? And yeah. uh, I, re- I realized that there are too many people within our company that have actually started working during the pandemic. And they never, because like, when things are normal, you know, uh, we would have like different team building activities. We would have different mm-hmm. company events and, uh, you know, people could use these. We have some meetups. People could use these to maybe, you know, spend a few minutes with me, mm-hmm. discuss about, you know, what's, what's going on in the company, what's new and things like that. Sure. But since this was not happening, I realized mm-hmm. that there are a lot of people who basically never had a chance to speak with me or some other of our C-level guys and, you know, just 
understand a bit better uh, where they are, what we do, you know, maybe see a bit bigger picture of the company, maybe hear a bit more about our clients, about our strategies, about uh, um, our plans. Uh, but as I said, also for me, it was very, very useful to hear how they see us. Okay. And uh, people were very honest and direct, which I really appreciate. So. That's awesome. Now, back to um, remote work, homework. Um, how about security? Okay. So you're working from home. Uh, from the point of privacy and security, what do people need to know and be aware of? When you are working from the office, you have much bigger support in this area mm -hmm. and also much more limitations in this area, right? Because you are working on the Wi-Fi in the office that's secured. You are working on equipment that's fully secured and things like that. When you are working from home, this is something that uh, to certain part you need to take care of. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, basically what I, uh, what I learned and uh, seen from experience is that sometimes even some very simple things like, like what I would give as a tip number one, to everybody is just don't leave your laptop at your coffee table <laughs> because like uh in last year i i i heard a lot of time a lot of times you know just uh, simple things like okay so i got coffee spilled over my laptop so it's not working so i lost some of the data inside mm. you know or my kid just spilled something and things like that so it <laughs> sounds a bit silly but uh, trust me <laughs> trust me sometimes this can be a bigger danger than some you know expert hacker who will try to <laughs> Get yeah. in your laptop. So sure, uh, but uh, yeah, that's 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 on the simple side of things. But basically, uh, I believe that there are some other things that you need to be very very uh, aware of and careful about. Starting with your document management, mm -hmm. because uh, basically a lot of um, uh, confidential documents are now being shared and uh, being worked yes. on and uh, contributed over either Google Docs or some other platform. You need to be, be mm -hmm. very careful who you are sharing with it yeah. and how you are using it so it doesn't fall in the wrong hands. Right. Uh, then there are some other things that people are not aware of, like, for example, your calendar, which people are using extensively when working from home. Uh, you need to be aware of that with some new features. Uh, Google is actually, by default, showing the titles of your events to other people. So mm. if I'm to, to book a meeting with you, and uh, basically try to see what are the empty spots and slots in your calendar, I will be able to see the titles of your meetings. So, no kidding. You know, yeah. So you need to be aware. Yeah, that's that another, that's another reason. Another reason not to use Google for that. <laughs> you can obviously disable this, you know, oh, but sure. uh, I can see that many people don't. And then sure. if you put the title like, uh, I don't know, ending cooperation with Quantox, and I see it. Oops. when I'm making a meeting with you, it can be kind of oops and uh, embarrassing situations. Well, so, at least you're ready. Uh, at least you're ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you need to be aware that, you know, if you are working from, from home or remotely, you are using public Wi-Fi's. Mm -hmm. This is the traffic that can be monitored, that can be intercepted. Yep. And you should have your office uh, uh, VPN set up and use it hmm. all of the time when you are doing something that's confidential and important. Now, what are the latest trends and how have they been affected or caused by the pandemic? Yeah, basically, there are like few different models or platforms that are like really uh, booming right now. I would say that probably the first one is 
anything related to subscription-based content, gated mm. content. Sure. So basically, I, I believe that one of the reasons for this is just the fact that there are more content producers and there are more people who are willing to become content producers due to quarantine and, you know, not right. being able to travel or do something else or, yep. you know, attend physical events. So this is definitely something where we get a lot of requests for different type of subscription-based uh, content platforms. Hmm. Then the, sec the second one is definitely everything that has to do with live video. Hmm. So uh, any kind of live video streaming, uh, we have seen like uh, this industry being doubled in hmm. 2020. It was already huge. And there are some projections that in the next five years, it will grow to be $150 billion industry. So Jeff. really, really huge one. Another interesting uh, thing or figure that I have stumbled on recently is that at the moment, 80% of all the internet bandwidth is being spent on live videos. So Jeez. That's an important thing. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, just like I, I would say one of the latest things uh, that's uh, that's becoming trend is uh, progressive web applications. They are here mm -hmm. for a long time. Just to give a quick explanation, basically PWA or progressive web applications are um, websites that provide you a native application experience on a mobile phone, uh, which means that you don't have to actually go on uh, App Store on Google Play to right. install the app. Yeah. But you will have an icon on your on your uh, home screen, and uh, basically you can access it offline, and mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, basically have uh, the whole experience of push notifications and other things just the same way as if you had installed application. This is something that's sure. been here for some time, right. but just recently Google um, basically changed some of their regulations and some of the dating industry. Um, uh, models are now no longer acceptable on their uh, uh, Google Play Store. Right. And so people need to switch to this kind of model in order to keep their mobile traffic there. So this is something that's right. really, really... I, and I, I, I would imagine as limiting as Apple is, and like you said, as much as Google is scaled at that back, the native apps have to be huge right now. Always like native apps are always are always huge, you know, and it's growing because mobile traffic is growing. Yep. So you know, this is something that's um, that's kind of let's say mandatory. But again, as I said, progressive web apps are becoming very popular, and also because of the fact that you cannot put any adult content on any of the app stores. Right. But if you create a progressive web application, it can be shared on your website. It can be shared via text messaging very easily. And installed or any on any on any phone. Also, it's a bit more cost effective because you code it only once compared to native applications where you have to code completely different apps. So that's the main difference between a native app and a progressive app. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah. So with with the native app, you need to keep coding it. Yeah, with native app, basically you can just code it once. You know, you can have just one team of developers code it for you, yeah. and then you know you can use it on both platforms, which is. Quite, and, how's, uh, and how's that different from the progressive app? Just to just to be clear, 
Well, on uh, basically, that's for the progressive. So that's the progressive. progressive app, you said you said native. Exactly. So, so you oh, sorry, my bad. My bad. Right. My bad. So right. on the progressive app, you code it only once, and right. then you use it on different platforms, like on Apple and on uh, Android phones. Okay. Uh, but for the native ones, you have to build them in completely different way, right? Right. And uh, yeah, the process is much more complex. So that's all. So that's all going to be based on the on basically browsers, right? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Do you think there will be a time where progressive apps will just kind of take over? Uh, that's uh, very, very hard to predict, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I believe that they are taking more and more uh, of the space in the mobile development, mm-hmm. but uh, we are still seeing also a lot of need for the for the native applications themselves. So, and that and that will also work on laptops and desktops. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Learn something every time I talk to you, Philip. What would your yeah. advice be uh, so we're prepared for what's ahead of us? Well, yeah, as you can see, there are like a lot of changes. And uh, basically what we have witnessed in the last two years is something that uh, people like to call forced digitalization, <laughs> where basically a lot of things that maybe would take uh, years to happen, happened in months. Uh, this is uh, good from some point of view, but also what we are seeing is many unstable products and many unsecured products because sure. of the need to build them quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I believe, you know, one of the things to, to be aware of is that, you know, if you are building a new product and uh, of course you want it built quickly, you need to uh, keep your eyes on that. Uh, the, those two things, making it stable, making it safe because, you know, later on it can really uh, really become an issue for you yeah. and then if you are talking um, if you are talking about about the, the uh, future proof platforms uh, <laughs> what is basically starting to become kind of a standard is multi experience development and this is something that we are actually promoting strongly in the last year or so Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to explain quickly what it means, basically these days you are getting much more touch points and different devices that you can use for uh, the same activity. So you can use not just your mobile phone and your laptop, you can also use your virtual glasses, you can use uh, any other variable like smartwatch, voice assistants, chatbots, a lot of different things. And basically, it's not idea anymore that you just are able to install and use the same software on all of these. Mm-hmm. It has to be consistent. So right. basically, it has to uh, be uh, built in a such way where I can start the process on one device and then continue it on another and finish on third one hmm. and do it all seamless. So this is multi-experience development, and this is something that, you know, we are encouraging our clients to adapt because it's becoming kind of standard. So like mm-hmm. very, very simple example would be your Netflix application right. where you can start watching the movie on your laptop and then finish on your smart TV. And you don't have to think, you know, what was the last uh, episode that I have seen or where did I stop or things mm-hmm. like that. So they, they become like people get used to these kind of simple things very quickly. And, uh, you know, then if they are missing them, it, it, it's very disappointing for your users so. yeah and i and i know i i noticed that that's already the case on uh, for instance on amazon yeah yeah all the bigger platforms are adopting this and uh, trying to to follow this as a as a trend then all the food delivery apps that we are 
working with e-commerce platforms. You know, you can start your shopping on one device. You are maybe interrupted. You want to continue it later on. It all has to be like fully consistent. Interesting. Interesting. Again, I learn a lot every time we talk, Philip. Well, hey, um, I'd like to thank you once again for being our guest on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to part three at some point in the near future. Always great talking to you and always happy when you invite me to one of these, uh, one of these talks. And looking forward to that one, as you said. Me too. My broker tip today has to do with what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. This will be a multi-part series. First, make sure you're converting as much of your traffic as possible. Traffic's expensive. Whether it's search engine traffic, review site traffic, or affiliate traffic, you paid a lot for it. So make sure that when someone lands on your site, you give them every opportunity possible to either spend money or do whatever it is you want your visitors to do. In the case of a pay site, make sure your billing options allow as many people as possible to buy. Have multiple ways to pay. In North America, most everyone has a credit card, but in other parts of the world, credit cards aren't used nearly as much. In Europe, for instance, credit card usage is low, so look for billing options that will match the areas where your traffic comes from. In Europe, ACH and debit cards are used a lot. In Africa and other developing countries, many people pay by mobile. Do your homework and find out how people pay in the regions you get most of your traffic. It'll make you more money. The worst thing you can do is get a visitor, have them want to buy, but since you don't have their preferred way to pay, they can't. If you're looking for suggestions, feel free to get in touch with me via my website. Along with this is to improve your user experience. Make your site attractive and easy to navigate. People have more options than ever these days. I can't tell you how many sites I go to, even some that are owned by large companies, where the navigation isn't obvious to the user. You poke around the site for what seems like an eternity to do something that should be relatively easy. Keep it simple. Before you launch any changes to your site, ask your friends to go to the site and check it out. Unfortunately, designers and tech geeks don't think like us. You need real people to look at your site for you. The same kind of people who will be visiting your site. Next, make a good offer. If you're selling something and the offer isn't good, you won't make money. It's plain and simple as that. And if your offer is to contact you or to get more information, then make the offer attractive and easy to understand. If you're selling something, make buying easy. Show them an easy way to buy and then leave. Help them by making suggestions on what to buy. Amazon.com is the best at this. They always have suggestions on what to buy based on your buying and browsing history. They use AI to do this. There are AI engines available these days at a modest cost. Look into this if you can. Don't clutter up your site with unnecessary items, buttons, and images. Keep it as simple as possible. The best and most successful sites are the simple ones, the ones that lead you to take the action you'd like them to do. It's not that hard. Just remember, when you're putting together any site, try to think through the buying process like a human being. Whatever you do, don't turn over that process to your designer. Don't just say, build me a website. What you'll get out the other end will not give you what it is you're looking for. Give them as much direction as possible and make it easy for them to build a site for you that makes your business succeed. We'll talk about this subject more next week. 
And next week, we'll be talking again to freelance writer Michael McGrady. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Philip, from Quantox Technology. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman. <laughs>